You've got a little Luchheim here, not much. Okay, whoever can put on their camera, that would be amazing. Amazing. Oh, welcome, Celia. Leslie. All right. Baruch atah adinai leinu v'lecheilam shahakol nidudvar. Amen. L'chaim, everybody. L'chaim, to life. To life. And there's no life except for the life of Torah. And that's why we're here. It brings life. It is life. Why is it life? Well, it's not a history book, although it does tell us something about history. But what it does do is guide us in our lives. But more than just guidance in our lives, it gives us, as we see every time that we learn together, uh, it inspires, it just picks us up beyond the mundane, beyond the trials and tribulations, the challenges of life, and uh, just brings us to, you know, to heightened places. So, um, and that the truth is, is in every detail, that's, that's the beauty of what we're doing. So in every detail, we can find this. We don't, you know, it's not just in the major storyline, but even in the smaller details, we, we find this. And, and today is gonna be such a story. We're in the finer details of a story that sounds, you know, like a nice uh, assessment of, or, or, or a narrative of uh, what went on back in the day. But of course, it's uh, to guide us. So let's get right into it. Now, there was a Philistine king by the name of Avimelech who uh, arrests Avraham and almost, almost violates his wife, Sarah. But after realizing uh, that this is uh, his wife, the uh, pragmatic king makes a peace treaty with him. And included in that peace treaty was an establishment establishing ownership of a certain well that he dug, that Avram dug. So let's get right to it. Thought I had it here. We will get it here. Oh, there it is. In fact, I did. You just got to click at the right place. Okay, here we are. So, do you, is it in front? Do you see it? I don't see it. No. No. Okay, maybe there. Now? Yes. Okay. So, sorry for that. Avram took flocks and cattle and gave them to Avimelech. And they bo both formed a covenant, a bris. And Avram placed seven ewe lambs uh, by themselves. Avimelech said to Avram, what are these seven use lambs that you have placed by themselves? He said, for these seven use lambs, you shall take from my hand and in order that there be a witness that I dug this well. That's the key over here, We're talking about the well. So take these seven lambs in order that there should be a testimony over here 
right, for that I dug these wells. Okay, that's what the verse says. Again, that's the narrative. The Zohar comes and says the following. Three things exist as witnesses to serve as a testimony. They are the well of Isaac, the lot, which is referring to the, the lot in Parshish Pinchas when Hashem gave the, the, the inheritance of the land of Israel and how the tribes of Israel would inherit the land would be by lottery. So the lottery were a testimony because the lotteries themselves um, were miraculous in testifying to what, what would the uh, a portion would be. And then the stone Joshua set up. That's in uh, Joshua, Yeshua, that the book of law of God, he took a great stone when he, after uh, writing down those words and he set it all uh, under the doorpost which is in the sanctuary of Hashem. Okay. But our, our, our concern over here is uh, the well. So for where do we derive, derive the well of Isaac from the verse in order that it be, that it be to me a witness that I dug this well. Right. Well, we just quoted uh, in the verse above. So it seems uh, pretty simple, straightforward to Zohar that it is associating an incident with a testimony, okay? That bears witness, an everlasting testimony. But look what the Zohar says. It says it's the well of Isaac. And what does this story over here is with Abraham. This is to witness that I dug this well. Who? Avimelech said to Abraham. And now he says, Avraham, back to Avimelech. It's not about Isaac, not about Yitzchak. So why would the Zohar refer this, make reference to this well in the name, in the name of Yitzchak? How do we understand that? And furthermore, what does it mean a testimony for generations? What's the testimony here exactly? What does it mean? Question's clear? Pretty simple. So the, the Rebbe's father, Rebbe Levi Yitzchak, was um, sent to, uh, uh, in Siberia for about four or five years where he was there with his wife, and he had no, he didn't have books with him except for the Zohar. And she actually, and he had nothing to write with, a great scholar. Um, and he didn't, he spent his days studying. His wife went into the fields and took uh, herbs and made ink from it. And from that, he was able to write on the sides of the Zohar that he had commentary that miraculously got out of Russia and was eventually printed. So he is offering an explanation to the fact that the verse refers it to Abraham's and the Zohar is referring it to Yitzchak's. So why does the Zohar attribute the well to Isaac, to Yitzchak, when in fact the verse speaks of Avraham? So he explains, after Abraham's passing, the well in question was stuffed by the Philistines, the Plishtim, and Isaac, Yitzchak, later redug this well. Thus the Zohar attributes it to him. The above can be seen in the verse. And Yitzchak again dug the wells of water which they had dug in the days of his father, Avraham. And he gave them names like the names that his father had given them. See Torah or Discourse Untold Us for more on this. So Rablavik answers how we, how, how we can attribute 
to Yitzchak these wells, right? We understand that. Why? Because it was redug by him after it was stuffed by the Philistines of Plishtim. But this seems to contradict the very premise of a well of testimony. If the well is indeed an everlasting testimony, right, which is what the Zohar is saying, how does citing the, the verse which associates the, the well with Avraham, which was filled by the Philistines, right? And then later redug by Yitzchak, how does that make it an everlasting well? So Avram's well is not everlasting. Yitzchak's well maybe might be. But how is it if we're speaking about an everlasting well? In what manner is that? Avram's well no longer exists. Furthermore, how does the well act as a testimony for generations? What is it attesting to? Ownership? Again, whose ownership? Who's digging? Yitzhak's digging? Avram's digging? Whose ownership exactly? So it's a very confusing. Now, again, this is a very small detail, and you say, okay, a big deal. But of course, in everything in Torah, we want to be precise. It's the word of God. It is the guide in our lives. It's the truth for us. So we need to understand, even though it might be a very small, insignificant idea. And the truth is, what we need to understand is, it's not even so much the verse. The Zohar makes a statement that we don't comprehend. Reb Leivik is giving an explanation that we further don't comprehend. So what's going on over here? Again, let's make sure we have clarity over here. The question is, the Zohar, the question's on the Zohar, not on the verse, right? The question's on the Zohar. It is saying that it is a testimony, this well, Isaac's well, Yitzchak, and it's quoting a verse to prove from Avraham digging the well. Like, if anything, maybe what, you know, quote the verse of him redigging the will, but he doesn't do that, right? If you want to quote about his digging, speak about his digging. No, it's a verse about Abraham and our Parsha that he dug. Yeah, but his well was stuffed up by the Philistines. So what's why are you bringing a proof from there? Furthermore, what's everlasting here? Like, can you go there today and see that? Well, it's everlasting. What does it mean it's everlasting? In what manner? Does it bear a testimony that's everlasting? So the key to this is what Rav Levick, um quotes at the end of his words. See Torah or discourse untold us. For more on this. Okay. So that's where we need to go. To the Alter Rebbe, who's the author of Torah Or. And he explains to us about Avram and Yitzchak, the divergent approaches that they have to divine devotion, the different ways that they were um, serving God, and how that reflects itself actually in the wells themselves. Remember last week we spoke about the need to tell the stories of the patriarchs in this book, even though we really don't, um, we don't do mitzvahs because of them. We do mitzvahs because God commanded us at, at Sinai, but yet they teach us something. They teach us about the, the human engagement what we can achieve with in our human efforts 
A mitzvah is beyond human efforts. It's God's not only command, it's God's connection to us, to the essence of him. But that is what we get at Mount, at Mount Sinai. The patriarchs, before the giving of the Torah, they teach us the humanness and how we can perfect and refine that to the ultimate. So the Alter Rebbe explains as follows. Tells us the following. Our sages tell us to behave in a manner that makes the name of heaven beloved. This means to make godliness more manifest in this world. Ah, so who do we learn from? Well, we're going to learn now from Abraham, right? This then is what inspired Abraham's, Abraham's hospitality. He would wine and dine pagans so that afterward he could teach them about God's greatness by instructing them to thank God and no one else for their food. This type of influence is known as drawing down from above to below. You're drawing down from above to below. We'll elaborate in a moment. Isaac Yitzhak, by contrast, was a well digger, representing a different type of influence by which the very reality that previously, the very reality that previously concealed godliness is shown to be itself godly. A parable for this is a hole bored into apparently dry earth, but which after digging reveals itself to be filled with water. Filled with water, right? That's what digging wells does. Now, Abraham also dug wells, but they were stuffed and did not last. It was none other than Yitzchak who dug them anew. He ensured that his father's flow would no longer be stopped. So we're getting a little framework now, some kind of idea of what it means, a continuity between the two of them. Avram starts with something, with uh, hospitality, with teaching. Um, that gets stuffed up and... Therefore, we need to dig deeper. That's what Yitzchak does. Now, even though Avram is also someone who dug, but what he did got stuffed up. And Yitzchak was the one, through his digging, would ensure that the flow that came through by his father would continue. Okay, that sounds really mystical. <laughs> It sounded good, very poetic, but what does that mean? Let's unpack it. So, again, and re-emphasizing, as it's necessary all the time, that uh, we're not learning a, you know, the history of our um, of our patriarchs, even though there is some, you know, historic significance here. But that's not what we're interested in. We're interested in to learn from them, as we just said, of, of what it means to reach the ultimate and refinement in the human condition. So they are prototypes of how to serve God. And Avraham and Yitzhak, according to mystical teachings, Kabbalah, are two different types of personalities. A concept we've learned in the past, I'm sure you're familiar with, chesed, generosity, and gvura discipline. So let's go into that. So mystical teachings teach us that Avram embodied the attribute of chesed. He was the epitome of kindness, an extrovert that was open to others, a relentless giver. He sought any way that he could to express that love and caring for everyone. We know he's legendary for this, right? Now, what was behind that? What was the cause for that? Is because that was a manifestation of his love for God. He loved the creator. And therefore, he connected to others, expressing that love 
in order to promote the oneness of God to all of humanity. So he is the first one who is able to bring a, a, down, a, a flow from above, from the highest places, to express the divine love to even to the lowest place here amongst people, the pagan worshipers, and to bring them closer. He believed in that essential goodness that people had and wanted to try to truly bring that out. And as we see, and uh, it says in Isaiah, but you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, who loved me, Abraham, who loved me, I've chosen you and did not despise you. Okay, so that's Abraham. Probably somewhat familiar with that. Abraham, although he is who he is, his child was who he was. Yitzchak embodied Gvura. He was um, the opposite. He was an introvert. He had a very strong sense of self-restraint, self-discipline. It's so much that we know so little about him. So disciplined that he was offered as the as a sacrifice for God. Right? He was about a deep connection about focus, not to be distracted from divine service. And as the verse says about him, Jacob, and Jacob swore by the fear of his father Yitzchak. Fear, awe, respect, discipline. Whereas Avram is like water that is like love that is showered upon everyone that comes from above to below. Fire is always a, is about striving upwards. It's about trying to dig, striving upwards, digging deeper in yourself so you could go higher and higher. Fire is, you know, uh, water gives uh, a sense of, um, uh, you know, pleasure, joy. Fire is awesome. Right? So that's the idea of all. Fire holds our breath. Drinking some water <laughs> allows us to express our release our breath okay now despite their differences of father and son they did have something some common pursuit and that was well digging as a matter of fact about Yitzhak that's one of the few things I really know about him in fact in what he did that might be the only thing that we know in what he did we have in we have stories of course with him but in doing things that's what we know now, obviously, digging well, wells in the Torah is not merely about um, irrigating the land, getting some, uh, you know, some water to, uh, to sail Chaim on, to hydrate. I'm running out. I I'm going to go to the well soon. <laughs> um, obviously, it's much more than that. There's a deep symbolism here. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for digging deep to try to find deeper holiness, deeper goodness. So Avram and Yitzhak both dug wells, but there was a key difference. Avram's wells were stuffed by the Philistines. Yitzhak's wells lived on for posterity, as the Torah tells us. And all the wells of his father's servants had dug in the days of Avram. His father were stopped, stopped, uh, stopped up by the Philistines who filled them with earth. 
What does this mean? What is the metaphor over here that they were stuffed up? So as we cited from Torah Or, explains that the God consciousness that Avram sought to imbue humanity with, with the love and the joy, um, worked while he was alive. When he passed away, that openness, that free-spirited love was misappropriated. The love was hijacked, it was perverted into something that was selfish, frivolous, and even depraved. And that's why Avraham's wills, meaning his approach, was something that allowed for it to be stuffed up, to be not to have a continuum. It wouldn't continue until Yitzchak Isaac comes along and digs the wells once again. Now, what does that mean exactly? Why? What is the understanding, the symbolism over here of Avraham's love that would not endure? And it was necessary to have. Um, Yitzchak, to redig them. So, let's go into the metaphor even further. Remember who disrupted the wells? Were the Philistines, or in Hebrew, Plishtim. The Plishtim, they were a, a coastal dwelling people who were always a thorn on the side of the Jewish people. Where did it begin? With Avram. That's where it began. But it went down all the way to the kings of Israel. And the Talmud identifies a core depravity of the Plishtim. And is explained in the very first Pasuk and verse in Tehillim. What does it say? Praiseworthy is a person who does not follow the counsel of the wicked, neither does he stand in the ways of the sinners, nor sit in the company of scorners. The very first verse in Tehillim, right? So Talmud comments on this. What does this mean? Rav Shmuel bar Nachmeni said in the name Rav Yainasan. The verse uh, which states praiseworthy is the person who does not follow the counsel of the wicked refers to our uh, a forefather of Raham. That's what's praiseworthy. Should be in, in his council. The verse continues, nor sit in the company of scorners. This means Avram did not sit in the company of the Plishtim, the Philistines. Why? Because they are scorners and engage in jest and buffoonery, as is stated with regard to the Plishtim in the latter period. And it came to pass when their hearts were merry uh, that they said, Call for Samson, and he will make us sports. So the sages label the Plishtim scorners. This is not meant to be merely an insult for them. This is a, crit a critique on their culture, on their nationhood. They were a perverse people. Now, they were... What Avram is in holiness and in purity, they are the parallel in unholy and impurity. Right? Avram was about a holy love that was motivated by, uh, by a connection to God and wanting to bring people closer to God. That's what, and, and, and it expressed itself in expansiveness and, and openness, right? But that's the holy side. As we know, everything has its counterpart. And the counterpart to that on the unholy side, the plishtim, 
It's just, you know, fun, enjoyment, good-heartedness. As the Rebbe explains in this week's Sicha, Plishtim, Philistines, is from the phrase which means an alloy open on both ends. This is why the sages state that the Plishtim were scoffers, for scoffing comes from a heart that is inappropriately wide open, open from all sides. Inasmuch as Avraham's well-digging efforts represent a holy sense of love, pleasure, and godly joy in an expensive, abundant manner, it was susceptible to the Philistines, the Plishtim, coming along and stuffing it. This is because such holy expansiveness and openness gives room for a perverted iteration thereof, the expansiveness and freewheeling attitude of those negative forces that obstruct all holiness. So Avram, open heart, soaring spirit, he has got love for everybody. Joyful in, in that soaring spirit of his, because he has a great love for Hashem and expressing it with everyone, right? I, I was just reading on um, um, in uh, the, the weekly Lachaim. So there were vignettes from uh, 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 Gutman Locke. Uh, so uh, Gutman Locke is someone who I was in his home 30 years ago on a Friday night, Shabbos, when I was at the, in the old city at the Kotel. And, um, you know, it's a guy that's free spirit, like inviting anybody at the Kotel, come to, come to the home. I was, I was already, you know, planned already to come to him, but he's going around Whoever needs a place, come to me, open home. You know, uh, what it, I think there might have been 30 people there in a small, you know, in, in the Rova. Homes <laughs> are not so big. <laughs> At least his wasn't. And he's full of exuberance. You know, he is radiant. He is radiant. And, and it was something very special. But a lot of people can misinterpret that. Not see the beauty and the innocence and can um, take that in the wrong way. That's exactly what the police team and the Philistines were, right? So a love, so some people say, oh, yeah, the guy's full of love. So, you know, uh, you know, so open love, right? Open marriage, bohemian style of living, whatever. Hedonism, because it makes you feel good. It makes me feel good. It makes you feel good. So, you you know, you in seeing him, you just think that, you know, oh, yeah, he's just, uh, you know, open. And, and therefore, no, no, no. It was motivated by connection to God. But what was, what you saw of the person was an openness to others and, uh, you know, exuberance and, but it can be mistranslated that, you know, open marriages, open love. And, and, and I remember some of the conversation at the table because, you know, picking up all kinds of people from the, uh, from the Kotel on a Friday night, you know, all kinds of conversations. And you know, some of it was leaning in that direction because, hey, it looks like there's no boundaries here, you know, so everything goes. Because, you know, look deep enough, you don't see that. And that's the police team. Right? That they are, as the Rebbe says, inappropriately open and wide. But it becomes not something that's connected to God, but it just becomes something that is just, you know, um, nothing to do with God, as a matter of fact, right? As Rebbe Rashab says, and they filled the wells with earth. Earth is the ultimate represent, representation of coldness, self-centeredness, 
and a flat-out refusal to budge from one's comfort zone for another. This behavior stems from debauchery and scoffing toward an, uh, anything spiritual. Such a person pushes any inclination to God, fearing from their heart and soul. This is the meaning of the sage's statement concerning scoffers, that they cannot receive the divine presence because such a person cannot bear any closeness to God, neither through feelings of love or fear, and is unable to accept any form of critique. The earth inside such a person is so unmoving that they can stand in the face of even the most sublime divine revelations that would inspire the most unfeeling and still remain forever frigid. So imagine Avram's life long work of that was a selfless love, an openness to people was being dismantled and not just dismantled, exploited after his passing. That's a tragedy. That's what happened. But that's not the end of the story. Because then came Yitzchak, and he redug the wells. He redug the wells, as it says. And Yitzchak again dug the wells of water that were dug in the days of his father Avraham, which the Pelishtim had stopped up after Avraham's death, and he gave them the names like the names that his father had given them. So Yitzchak like a successor of the previous generation, inherits everything of his father, so to speak, and has his own virtues and is able to succeed where his father can't succeed. So what is it that he was able to bring into the picture here that Avraham didn't bring forward that was necessary component. What is the critical, critical ingredient that represents opening up the wells again and allowing the waters uh, to gush forward? And that is humility and discipline. These are the opposite. Not that Avraham wasn't a humble person, but on an emotional level, right? What he expressed was loving kindness, openness, exuberance. Yes, it came from a love of God. Absolutely. It, it wasn't a um, selfish expression. It wasn't a manipulation, you know, to get something from them that he wanted. No, not at all, God forbid. But on the emotional level, it was that, and therefore could be uh, misappropriated as it was by the team. The critical ingredient that Yitzhak adds over here on an emotional level is the discipline, the humility, that the heart isn't so wide open. It's more contained. There's more, there's boundaries that are being created. There isn't a, a hug, like, you know, at the hotel to everybody, you know, pre-COVID, <laughs> right? There isn't just an expression of love to everyone. Yitzhak has a, a profound sense of selflessness like his father, but it's hyper-focused. And again, they both equally love the creator, but the spiritual makeup of them and how they express that with, express that with human emotions is very different. So Yitzchak has this intense connection that he's more evaluating and um, and holding it close to him, and not just giving it 
so to speak, I don't know, randomly is the right word, but much more in a focused, internalized manner, sharing with the select few. And this is, um, as the Rebbe explains, the, the antidote. We can now understand why Avram's wells were stuffed by the police whereas Isaac went ahead and redug them. They were not no longer stuffed. When Abraham's approach of love and joy is paired with Isaac's efforts of humility, discipline, and restraint, it is no longer possible for any negative forces to feed off it. Thus, the wells lasted forever. Therefore, they lasted forever. Because it wasn't just one path. There's an amalgamation, these, this well of two paths. Abraham, with a great love and loving kindness, and Yitzchak with a great restraint, focused, creating proper boundaries and melding the two opposites together. So now we can understand the Zohar, that we call it the, the Zohar calls it the well of Yitzchak, because that's what makes it everlasting. The well of Avraham alone, the approach of Avraham alone, cannot be everlasting. You need the contribution of Yitzchak. That true love needs to be sustained by, with respect, awe, And when you have that together with discipline, when you have that, then the expression of joy, the open heartedness uh, that a person has is tempered with that, then the plishtim and their openness and their uh, misguided sense of what kindness is will not be able to take away from the goodness that you're expressing. So in the end, we call it, the verse calls it Avraham's well. Because Yitzchak provides the safeguard that the well should continue. Right? Gvura tempers the chesed that the chesed should continue. And that's why the, the Zohar attributes the well to Yitzchak, because without that safeguard, it's not an eternal testimony. Right? But it's not to say it's not Avraham's well, it's still his well. Right? Because, well, let's see as it ever explains here. According to the above explanation, it is understood that the wells of Abraham dug are still very much his, even after the Plishtim stuffed them and Isaac had to dig them anew. Nevertheless, they are mainly considered Abraham's wells, the service of God through joy, love and joy. In fact, Isaac's contribution being God-fearing and committed, creating the boundaries, was precisely in order to protect and ensure the the endurance of the holy love and joy. Thus, the well is attributed to Isaac. It's attributed to Isaac, but it's called Avram's wells because for Avram's divine service to endure, one needs to incorporate the service of Isaac. So, in other words, what's the main thing? The main thing is loving kindness. The main thing is giving. That's Abraham. 
That being said, that can create a, uh, you know, it, it, just based on that, there may not be any parameters, any boundaries to it. Need to couple together with that gvura, sense of restraint, the, the sense of, uh, of, of uh, creating boundaries. So because of doing that, Avram's wells are Avram's wells. His kindness is kindness. And it's an enduring kindness, thanks to Yitzchak. So the everlastingness of it is because you couple together um, Yitzchak's path. And um, that's how able to create that. So this teaching, think about it, really expresses itself in so many different ways in life. Now, we, we, we always mention that, you know, um, um, that all, all, all truths come in a paradox. And here's a paradox. Paradox is that by nature, we're one thing, right? And I don't mean our bad nature, our, our godly nature. We are one kind of individual. But if we allow that only to be, then um, that will create, that will eventually create some problems. Now, by the way, it's true the other way around also. If you're only like Yitzchak, very clear restraint boundaries, very clear focused individual, right? Um, you know, very, um, every detail thought through and so on. And you're not embracing, but not a, a exuberant, joyous, you know, expression of love. And that's the nature of an, of an individual. So that itself will also uh, create a, a, a can be a, can be lead to ne a negative downfall, right? And also, so it's, it works the other way around. But here we're not talking about that. Here, you know, we live in a world that all you need is love, and that's a mistake, because if all you need is love, that will lead to a debasing love. It won't lead to a healthy love. And that's the world that we live in today. Um, you know. Um, that, that's the world that we live in today. And um, because that is the truth you know, the more important quality in the sense, you know, it's the right hand as opposed to the left hand, right? So the right hand, the stronger hand, uh, the more powerful hand, the first hand, right, that you give um, is chesed, loving kindness. And absolutely, again, though, um, when it's tempered with the, uh, the respect, awe, restraint um, of Gvura, then it's going to be a very healthy giving because that giving can be without restraint. Um, and when it's without that restraint, then uh, even though, just to go back to the, the metaphor, in Abraham's lifetime, the wells weren't stuffed up. Because the power of him, of his holiness, right? The power of his loving kindness, it was real. It was real.
But after his passing, he's, that loving kindness is not being expressed. That devotion, a real devotion to God, as it's expressed in, in, in Chesed, wasn't there. So now it could be debased by the Plishtim, by negative, you know, by the, by the negativity of what they represent. And it will be an open-ended love. That's right. Movi Mufulish, as the Rebbe said. Movi Mufulish, we learned in Laws of Shabbos, Rambam, if you recall, that um, a, 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 what was the word? Um, an alleyway that's open on two ends. It's a love that's open-ended on all ends. Right? There's no boundary to it. Um, and of course, again, that's not uh, not a healthy thing, not a good thing. But that only happened afterwards. So, meaning, I'm, I'm, the point I want to bring out is that his devotion to God was a true devotion to God. That it that in it wasn't in his lifetime that this was that this occurred. Why? Because of the the realness of his divine devotion that being said there can still be as a result something negative that comes out of it but not when he's there and that's why and 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 the reason for that is as we said because we need another element we need yitzchak yitzchak is what's going to make it an everlasting testimony this well that it is something that they both together, you know, accomplished. Yes, it's in the name of Avraham because Avraham, it's in the name of kindness, in the name of love, of giving. But that needs to be tempered. It needs to, to have an enduring effect. It needs the restraint. It needs the gvor of Yitzchak. Any questions? Powerful idea from uh, from the Rebbe from this week's Sicha, from Rablevik. I guess I have a question. Sure, Katie. Um, okay, what was my question? It was, I think you mentioned that Abraham didn't sit in the company of the Philistines, so... He's, he's like really giving, but not to them. Um, well, he was giving, right? Is the verse, one second, let's go or back. I guess like he second. didn't suffer the um, company of fools type thing. Hold on one second. Give me a second, let's go back there. Um, Yeah, it was from Tehillim, right? One second. So praiseworthy is the person who does off all the counsel of the wicked. Right, so praiseworthy, that's uh, the counsel of the wicked, refers to our forefather Abraham. And not to sit in the company of scorners. This is Avram who did not sit in the company of Philistines. They were scorners. So what, what's the question? That doesn't mean he wasn't kind to them. He took flock and cattle and gave them to Avimelech. Right? He gave flock to Avimelech. That was the first reading. To form a covenant. So he did form a covenant. You know, Avimelech you know, was uh, tried to be abusive of his wife. Right? Clear? I guess my question would be like, let's say he's opening up his house and he's inviting guests over. Would he invite them or does he like not want to hang out with them? Um, that was not on his turf, right? It was not on his turf. So would he invite them into his home? If, you know, he when he's inviting into his home, it's in his milieu, it's his atmosphere and uh you know i guess you probably have a little more control now you might still this person might still be a scoffer right 
but I mean, at least you're in your, you're in your milieu, you have more, so to speak, control of the environment as opposed to, you know, you're the host as opposed to being the guest. So, you know, here he wasn't in his home in this story and um, more of the guests, she was abducted and taken to um, Sarah to, uh, to Avimelech. And uh, so. Okay, I think I get you. Like no. if it was his home, he would like accept them or whatever, like try to. Uh, it wasn't that, it wasn't that he wasn't accepting. He wouldn't go there. He wasn't, it wasn't he wasn't accepting. If he wasn't accepting, he wouldn't have uh, made a covenant with them. So he was accepting, but you know, he, he it wasn't a place. It wasn't his place to be now to to now uh, you know invite. He he was the guest. You know, the guest doesn't invite guests, <laughs> right? The Talmud tells us, If you're a guest at someone's home, you don't you know invite another guest. The host invites guests, not the the guest, <laughs> right? Uh, so. You know, he wasn't inviting people into uh, to be there, and you know, it wasn't his place to be the host. In his home, he'd be the host. Would he invite them? I'm sure he'd invite anybody. You know, that would be ready to come into his home and you know partake. But I guess he doesn't. He he's not. Uh, I never mind. Never mind. No, I was I I I mean I I think that that's the distinction. You, have, you know, he's not there. He's not there to you know what is he known for? Having hospitality. So where is he? He's not going to have hospitality there. You know, that's how he expressed it in his loving kindness to to people, right? And the beginning of this week's parsha with the three angels that came and and after three after the third day of his bris where he was in great pain, but he was still looking for guests. So, you know, if it had been someone that was uh, a scoffer, I'm sure he would have invited him to his home. I don't, I, you know, I don't see that as a as an issue. I guess I don't understand that verse then that what? you just mentioned from Tefillin. I don't see it in front of me, so I can't repeat it. But the one that you just mentioned, where he doesn't suffer whatever, he doesn't keep company with scorners or something. Right. Yeah, that's what the, the Talmud is saying. That right. Even if you're a loving, kind person, you know. I mean, that's already a that's already a fool, you know. Just to sit in the in, in a, amongst scorners and people just you know laughing at you. Are you gonna sit there and and, and uh, here? Let me be kind to you. That, that that's already that's ridiculous, right? That would be ridiculous. And, and and so and in any case, it's not the it's not the situation for him to do, you know, to his acting uh, a loving kindness and his hospitality and trying to bring people closer to Hashem would be in his in his place, right? Sitting in this uh, in in with scorners was by the Philistines, not by him. Now, if they were scorners in his home, would they he kick them out? Probably not. But he would probably be as as the host. You're usually more in control of the situation, right? Where he wasn't in control of the situation there. Okay, uh, Davida, I think had a question. Davida, uh, yes, Rabbi Klein, I have a couple of questions. Please express them. <laughs> um, my first question was: Wasn't Yaakov the embodiment of Abraham and Yitzhak? And my no, second no. Oh, he was he was compassion. Compassion is is not the embodiment of of um, of Chesed and Gvura. It is the uh, fusion. It's the balance of the two, bringing them together. Right. Compassion, but it's but here we're talking about loving kindness and restraint, borders, the boundaries. Right. Right. That's a different thing than compassion. Although there's a parallel, but compassion melds, melds together both chesed and gvura. 
Here we're talking about there's both chesed and gvura. Okay, but that was an excellent question. Excellent question. Uh, and now my second question was, I was just reading um, in the Hamish Lechucha that there was some commentary there that said that Abraham wasn't supposed to go down and, you know, he was supposed to stay and have a Muna in Hashem that he would save him from the famine. So, and then he would also have a Muna to say that Sarah was his wife. So was this kind of like a setup for Abraham to continue to go down and do this? Or was it the wrong thing to do? Or was it that he needed to do this? You're talking about last week's Parsha going down to Egypt? Yes, I, I was reading Lech Lecha where it said that he shouldn't have left and he should never went to um, Egypt because he should have had the Muna that Hashem would have taken care of them and that they wouldn't have to go through the famine and that they wouldn't have to leave and to go. And then once they left Israel, there was a loss that um, he wasn't in the land anymore. Right. And that when they went down into Egypt, that he shouldn't have said, that Sarah was his wife, that he should have said Sarah was his wife and not his sister. Right. And like, uh, was this just all the steps that he needed to take? Um, or was it that he shouldn't have left to begin with? I, I need to look at the Rebbe Sichas on that to, to, be, to be certain because I, I don't have it. I don't have it clear in my head right now to give you a proper answer. Sorry. Uh, no problem. Thank you, Rabbi. Fine. Thank you. Excellent questions. <laughs> Anybody else? Uh, am I getting a little ahead of myself here, Rabbi? But I want to know where the Gavora was when he was dealing with Asaph. Why? Why? I mean, was he so cunning that he couldn't see what was, you know, he didn't seem to discipline him or whatever? He seems to be harder on Yaakov. I mean, uh, so I'm, uh, I don't know whether that's part of this discussion or not, but I just, it just came to mind. Very good question. Very good. Um, um, it actually has to do with this. You know, when you dig a well, you could dig a well and just get the surface water or dig deeper and get like the, you know, the, the subterranean waters that, you know, to, to flow, right? You can dig, dig deeper and get the, the reservoir as opposed to just, you know, some, so, Yitzhak was about digging very deep. That's the, the idea over here, right? Focused, you know, like, like what's the deep, what's, I forget now, what's the deepest that they have a drill that they, has dug, you know, I, I forget how far deep into the earth. Someone Google it and let us know, right? So the deeper you go, the more treasures you find. So, um, Yitzchak, uh, he wasn't fooled by, by Esau, but he knew that he had a very lofty soul and figured if I can dig deep inside of him, maybe we can find the treasures of that soul. And that's why he wanted to give him the blessings. But that's, we're going to have to wait more for that, but that's just in brief how it ties in with the well digging well digging, you can dig very deep downwards, right? Um, and that's digging from within. And that's the idea of fire, right? Fire is from within up. So digging deep from within to, to reveal from within deeper and deeper, right? But it's also, you know, it's not, that's in, in, in the metaphor of it, but Digging deep can also dig deep in, in 
to try to touch the root of your soul from where it comes from by giving blessings to you that will reveal the depth of your soul that would not be revealed otherwise. But it's the same idea of digging, right? Whether it's from within or from through your source of the soul, it's the concept of digging. So it fits in perfectly with his character quality. Right? Make sense? Yes, mom? Yes, I think it does. <laughs> Any other questions? All right. Great. Amazing. Amazing. Rabbi, I think Krista has a question. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. Oh, you're right. You have a hand up there. So you always talk. Uh, I never saw your hand up. You always just talk. <laughs> I'm sorry you're being so polite, but I, I didn't even see the hand because it's very light. <laughs> Go ahead, Christo. You have to unmute yourself. Uh, you're talking to me? No. no. Your hand is up. Your hand is up. My hand is up. I'm sorry. I press it. Okay. Uh, Involuntarily, it must be that we needed to hear your voice. Okay, <laughs> Baruch Hashem. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, all right, wonderful folks. All right, to be continued our conversation tomorrow morning, of course, tomorrow afternoon, next week, every day. Oh la la, Baruch Hashem. God bless you all. Thank you. Right. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. 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 Thank you.